Welcome to this episode of the 9420 podcast, where we talk about the music that we love and the industry that we tolerate. Welcome to this episode of the 9420 Podcast. That was Till the Stars Come Down by Mike Koya with Koya Music. Hi, Carl and Greg. How are you guys doing today? Hey. 
See now, already I'm gonna have to fight with you. <laughs> Who? I look on the guy's Instagram. I mean, on his guy's Spotify, and it just says his name is Mike Koya, but the name he chooses is not Koya Music; is Koya. So I think he just wants to go by like like Share or Sting. I think he wants to go by Koya. What do you think? I don't know. When I talked to him, I called him Mike. So the, the artist <laughs> formerly known as. Page. I just want people to be able to get him and 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 know and know how to get him. So I think it's probably Koya, as, as Carl go. would say. You're right with that. I know him as Mike. So, <laughs> but uh, no, he's a he's an interesting artist. He's rebranding himself right now out of Greensboro, North Carolina. Cool stuff. Again. Enjoyable track. Yeah, the stars coming down. I've never heard that. It's like I can envision them raining down. That would uh, Isn't not that be a pretty. Meteor yeah. shower. Yeah. Technically. Well, I uh, know because I think the stars are bigger than our sun. So now, now we're like you know into a, you know astronomy. Well, I'm wishing <laughs> I'm wishing Koya a meteoric rise on the charts. The fact of the matter is that we say that this uh, these episodes are about music that we'd like for you to discover, and they're about you know a few things about the music industry which we've dallied with through the years. But fact of the matter is that gets boring too, right? I kind of have a pseudo topic though because my um, my brother in law and my sister in law are in this week because we have not seen them in two and a half years because wow. of the fact that they got pregnant, they had their daughter, and then a couple months after that happened, COVID hit. So like we didn't see them throughout the pregnancy just because they're in Georgia and it was flu season. So we finally were able to like, okay guys, like you come visit us for the first time in many, many years and we'll be able to meet my goddaughter and my niece. Mm. So they're in town and they're five years and almost eight years younger than me and my husband. And every night my husband and I will play music for Kenzie. And most of the time we'll play like the all out eighties playlist on Spotify, just cause that's the music we grew up listening to. So they come in and they want to start playing like early nineties and two thousands. And we start getting into the conversation of music videos because just songs come on and I'm like, Oh, that like, Back in the day, um, they really knew how to actually make a music video to entice people and get them to watch. But nowadays, my sister-in-law agrees, music videos aren't doing anything. Like, I feel like no one watches them anymore. So I think that's a good topic. Well, it's kind of a dead art. I think it's a dead art. Yeah, I think. The, uh, and the, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, this whole this whole music discovery thing is really, um, it, it's, it is a uh, dilemma. I don't know. Like, you know, they're. Videos to me were always like a mixed bag, in my opinion. What I liked about videos when they first happened, I liked seeing bands I've never could readily see. You know, like it, it, it dates back to the Beatles, actually, and the Monkees. You know, where like the Beatles, you know, they, whenever they released a new single, instead of having to come to Ed Sullivan's show, they would make this film, this little video film, and send it to the Ed Sullivan show. Do you remember those? And you'd see, you'd see Hey Jude and Lady Madonna and all these Strawberry Fields, all these cool videos. So that was kind of like the onset of that. It was interesting. And then I guess in 82 and 80s when MTV started, and it kind of changed the whole music industry because what it did, I feel, was it took it out of um, – I remember one funny thing. There was a guy called Christopher Cross. Mm-hmm. He was this artist from the late 70s who had like a Ride Like the Wind. He had these couple of big hits in the late 70s, early 80s. But he was kind of like balding and kind of chubby and, and, and not really very attractive. His next single came out. He was a hit already. 
they had him all in the smoke and stuff because they could see him. And his career tank. Trying to hide him, yeah. Well, yeah, but then, but then who who broke? Duran Duran. And that's what happened. And all these sudden gorgeous people were becoming famous. So no, well, so that was I, a whole that whole new romantic period, that whole 80s kind of, you know, the backside of new wave kind of thing coincided with MTV. Uh, and we did see, I mean, there was a period of time where that's how you heard new bands and that's how you discovered music was on MTV because everything that was going to be released would have a corresponding. Well, you had to have a video at the time, right? You know, so bands like the English beat, they were called the beat in the UK. I mean, I, I saw them for the first time in, uh, in, in video form. I saw the specials and, you know, there, I think that MTV had, a lock on uh, Dexy's a very, 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 yeah, Dexy's Midnight Run. Uh, I think MTV had a, a big lock on a large segment of the population that were going to be music's target audience, right? And so- They died that, the mid-90s. The mid what happened? Yeah, late 80s, mid-90s. I don't know. I think that it might have been generational because they started taking live cameras and doing live television from the beachside communities at uh, during spring breaks and just the sheer people watching debauchery. So what I want to ask of so it then, all. So you know, I mean, I know, think that's the direction they went programming during, during that time. I was up in New York. That's where I, yeah. you know, so to me it was rock. So down south, I guess the equivalent was CMT. Was CMT as as big in the country world for country artists back in the day? And, uh, TNN, the, the the Nashville network that predated uh, CMT. Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that um, I don't think that the video for country music played as an important role in taste making or in introducing new acts. Quite frankly, you know, I mean, the labels weren't spending the money on new acts video. They were they were spending production value money in the kind of known and tried and true. And then um, they just got. And then if you ask me, I think what killed them is is that the really big artists just got stupid. They, they got so elaborate and would you know they like, oh. like Michael Jackson had videos that were like the song was four minutes, but the video was like. 18 minutes like four minutes before eight minutes after you know and these elaborate sets and actors and casts it was a, it was a, i don't know well and i think too i mean mtv had for a while like behind the scenes making the video or something like that that everyone kind of got used to watching for like these big artists like i remember j-lo's um waiting for tonight like that was one of the ones when i was a kid like everyone was waiting to see the music video and like the lead up to that was the everyone watched the making of the video on MTV and but then it got to be too crazy and then it just got and I, I anything else technology changed it because it went from where like back in in those in those times back in the 80s it was like a hundred thousand dollar budget the record companies have to give you to do these videos yeah. but that was really thing. kind of a scam that was a scam when everything was hot and when uh, you you know the, the narrative was that you had to have a high production value video right. in order for MTV to add it, and I had a personal experience with uh, a manager of a band that was super super hot on a national basis, 
and uh, the band what's, came what's, to him. What's their name again? This is Collective Soul, right? Soul. Right. yeah. Uh, and my my friend, rest in peace. I loved him like a, a big brother. He managed the band, and um, the band came to him and basically said, "Hey, we've got two hundred thousand dollar budget on the new video. Isn't that amazing?" And he was like, "No, that's ridiculous. We're not doing that. We're not having that much money advanced." You're to us. get a camera, you know. On. We're gonna <laughs> and. Basically, he got into a big fight with the label, and he was so smart and so um, kind of ahead of his time. He said, I'll pay for the video, and if MTV doesn't add it, I'll eat it. If MTV adds it, you pay me what I have in it. And I think he ended up making the video for less than $10,000, and they wanted to charge the band two hundred. Wasn't there the first song, Let the Light Shine? Wasn't that a, a demo, basically, a home demo? Yeah, that, I mean, uh, essentially what happened was that... Click and uh, Soul was just those two guys. That My guy. friend, well, it was one guy, uh, Ed Rowland, my friend, right. uh, uh, basically, I think, financed uh, the making of the first record. There wasn't a band when they, when they made the first record. It was it's all great riff. 100% great Ed Rowland. He's a talented guy. Pretty smart. And now, and now people, if you ask me, and now it's all these like self... Well, I was, gonna, videos. I was gonna ask, are music videos even needed now? I don't think they are, but a lot of guys still want to make them. A lot of artists we come across, they they're insistent. Once they do their their Spotify, they, they drop, which I hate that they use the term drop as if like, you know, I always hated that <laughs> term drop their single on Spotify. I think there's some opportunity out there, quite frankly. I one thing that's interesting to me, I was going to ask you guys about it, actually. I have been, you know, my uh, mania about nostalgia. So uh, I have recently been going down the rabbit hole of these these television shows from the 60s that featured a lot of different musical acts. And as Carl said, when you saw them on television or you saw them in a video piece, or at that time it was actually film. Uh, when you saw them in a filmed piece, that might be the first time that you actually saw what the artist looked like. Uh, right. They used to have these shows. There was uh, they were network. It was Hullabaloo. Right. Uh, and where the action is. Where the action is. Shindig. I'm wondering. Now, this is just me, but I'm wondering that when COVID is over and when people are going to want to start getting back out on the road, I'm wondering if those caravan type shows where there are literally 15 acts that you've right. heard in a Spotify playlist would be willing to go out and just play one or two songs and you get a 30 song show for a $30 or $50 ticket and you get to see all the bands that you've been listening to over yeah, the last year. You don't think caravan shows could happen? Well, again? I, I think it'd be, I think it probably would be great, but I, I think that it's not going to, not enough money to be made. You know, that's the whole thing. Like, I personally think it could be a good idea for artists to do that because it's such a cross exposure of so many different types of fans, depending on what genres are going to be in it. But I don't, like Carl said, I guess it it depends on how cost wise, would it be worth it for each act in it to, to do that? Well, I mean, I I think there might be something to it. I mean, I think that, you know, there are playlists out there that have been branded to the extent that what five, six, seven million people listen to the playlist on a regular basis. So you could literally tour the playlist. I mean, you could have 15 or 20 acts tour around the country and do, and and just the show would be the playlist performed, you know? 
there's a kind of a connection about what you're talking about in this show I just watched. I just watched this show called Halt and Catch Fire. Oh, that show's real. I've, so it's on Netflix. It's about it starts. It takes place around 1979, so the beginning of the of the internet and 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 computers. It's a fictional company, but within a real setting. And it kind of, I think it's kind of true how this kind of stuff came about, right? And it makes it all sound like it's, again these amazing things that 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 we have, you know, right now. How there's there was no brilliance behind almost any of them. It was all just happenstance. The guys trying to build a new browser. You know, because when the internet started happening around this around 1987, and they missed out because the, the Net, Netscape came in and Yahoo was already there. I go, wow, we can't forget it. We lost the window. And he goes, I got an idea. What? But how are they going to know where to go? How about like a Yellow Pages for like the internet? And that's how that Google started. <laughs> like, you're just a bunch wow. of guys. And, and supposedly it was these simple algorithms. They weren't even that hard. You know, the, you know, so it's like, all this happenstance out of this stuff. So as far as we're talking about, like, you know, after COVID, I have no idea what's going on anymore. I don't know what the world's going to become again. I don't know how much of what happened with COVID is going to stay. How many people are going to realize, you know what? We don't need to do a lot of stuff. We don't need to go a lot of places. We don't need to see a lot of bands. You know, we can survive, you know, with the streaming stuff or I don't know. I, don't I, know just, hope, I just hope that it's not a case of there is no such thing as after COVID. I hope that's not the case. Uh, I mean, you know, there's well, not going to go back to the way it was. I don't think that's going to be the case. Oh, I, I think, see. I think it will. I think it will go back to where, you know, there'll be a hundred thousand people, you know, crawling on top of one another at a, at a concert. I mean, I like Bonnaroo. Yeah. We'll still yeah that I think that, I think yeah. there will be that again, but some people believe that, that that will never happen again with these variants and, you know, that kind of thing. Well, you know, I don't want to get, you know, this is not what the podcast is about, but you read some of these guys saying, don't think this is the end of this pandemic stuff. Who knows? This might just be the beginning of it. Well, who knows? There, I there'll know. still be, there'll still be, um, you know, potable water issues and, and professional wrestling, you know, so. <laughs> Well, why don't we take our playlist on tour after? We'll be the first ones to start the the new Nashville Now Caravan. There you go. Let's play another song. Yeah. You want to? Yeah. Another one from? Koya. Koya. (laughs) It's called called Feel For You from Mm -hmm. Koya. seen me before that girl's never known what this heart was for that's when she called me a memory but pretty girls like her don't ever see me she just wanna live inside a ghost that could never be Tell me how can I feel for you? 
Again, no the, water, the, no water cooler. The sure. internet ruined another thing. It ruined everything because yep. like it used to be Charles rule even before. Get, get uh -oh. rid of uh -oh. the internet. Hold on, where are we? Yeah. Get rid of the internet. <laughs> Pull the plug. Pull the plug. Because, well, you know what it is? Even like before all the streaming stuff, before the bandwidth got so good, when you wanted to watch, say, Sex in the City or The Sopranos, it was on Sunday at nine and you went and watched it. Again, it wasn't until like probably maybe 2012, 13, when it started getting when streaming, started becoming really feasible. Because prior to then, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't. Well, no, um, prior to that, the only thing that I think kind of came into play was DVR, being able to pause and record well, you, the cable Right, show. you had that, plus you had syndication, you had like these super stations that were like kind of. Yeah, uh, but still it, it was the timed-based thing and you have to go to the station. And, yeah. But, and, but little by little, it was, the, it, was, it was changing. Now it's like everything, all the time, anytime. And it's funny, I, I don't know about you, but so I have Hulu. Netflix, Amazon Prime, HBO Max, Showtime, and Epics, okay? Plus, I have YouTube TV. So I probably, at any given time, have access to maybe 15 million shows. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows right. what? And there are days, like, I don't know, I can't, nothing to watch. I can't find anything to watch. Find anything no, to that's watch. just the way I am. So, what, so what's going, but, but back when I was growing up, I had 2, 4, 5, 7, 9, 11, 13. That was it. Yep. You know, before, but that was even before cable. And your and whole when, life's viewing was wrapped up in those four channels. Yeah, and right? if you didn't see a movie in the movies, you got to wait like nine years till it came to TV, you know? Yeah, right, right. So I don't know what's happened. I think we. You know, it's weird how much time I'm spending with YouTube. I, I, I bet 80% of my watching, my video consumption is YouTube. That's strange. I know. See, we're, and we're I becoming, don't, uh, I do not like YouTube. I actually We're becoming robots. Yeah. yeah. My new thing now is I don't have a TV on, but I'll be looking at, at TikTok or little FaceTime, Facebook little snippet videos on my phone. Eh, I don't know. It's uh, I, I think that uh, it would be fun for, you know, kind of appointment it's program. It's I need me to pull Engagement the would come back. It you would know, be like, fun to have to go see twenty different acts that have uh, millions pull of the plug. streams. <laughs> It would be amazing to, uh, you know. It would know, be fun to just have TGIF again where everyone gathers around and we all the watch plug. the same thing. Maybe that's my new thing. My new cause is is pull the plug. Stop. The internet, I want it over. It ends. You know, you, you, know, you know what they got to do? You know how to end the internet? Regulate it. Then they'll mess it up. Regulate it. You know, you know what's funny? Right now, anybody and their brother – you know, with the slightest bit of know-how can get a WordPress or a Squarespace or a Wix website, go up there, go to GoDaddy and get some stupid, you know, morons.com, you know, or whatever, whatever they can find, and then put up a website and flood the market with their stupidity, you know, and, and they don't get any views. I mean, so but yeah, but they're clogging up the belongs. world. It's too much. Pull the plug. It's done. We're done. It's over. We're going back. You know what? They want to make America great again? Pull the plug. Make America analog again. There you go. Make America analog again. I like it. That's actually pretty good. Uh, all right. We're going to pull the plug on this episode, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us. For all of the links to the show notes, you guys can go to our website, which is 9420.com. That is the numbers 94 and the letters T-W-E-N-T-Y. Until next time, we'll talk to you all later. 